points. Uh, that'll be just a little bit of an encouragement as we go back out to the world tomorrow. The Bible says it is good, Ecclesiastes seven eighteen. It is good. Now pay close attention when God says something is good. Okay, write it down because God knows what's good. Okay, we don't know what's good. God does. When God says something's good, you better mark it down. That thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the many opportunities of the last couple of weeks that we have had and heard about that we, uh, Lord, participate in your service. Bless, I pray, if, if it's your will that it be us, that you'd make it known and we'd be willing. Thank you for your word tonight. Bless the preaching of it. Help us respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I mentioned a moment ago about the trip, uh, many trips that I have taken, and uh, one of the trips uh, that I took, we flew over Italy, and um, it was kind of heartbreaking, to be honest with you, because as we flew over Italy, I realized how close we were to Italy, but I was not able to stop and take a look at it. And uh, as we flew over, you could see the mountains. There was some snow on a few of the mountains. As we got toward the southern end of the boot of Italy, you could see some of the beautiful clear water uh, and the beaches that were there. And as beautiful as it was, I would have loved to have stopped and spent some time in Italy and got to really experience it up close and personal rather than from 35,000 feet. Uh, I tell people all the time, it's kind of a running joke, that uh, I was five miles from Italy. It was just five miles straight up, okay? I wasn't like five miles off the coast, five miles straight up. As I thought about that uh, this afternoon, I thought, you know, so often the will and the word of God and the promises of God, so often we view like I viewed Italy in that circumstance. We view it from afar. And even though it's beautiful from afar, we're able to look at it and, and realize how wonderful it is to have a copy of the Word of God and uh, to know the will of God. Sadly, many of us will never, uh, never experience it up close. Kind of like the ministry that he's talking about tonight. How often do we have missionaries come through here? How often do we have people share burdens and opportunities for you to teach or to preach or even to carry a brick, an opportunity to carry a brick in the cause of Christ and, and fulfill the will of God? And yet we do not avail ourselves of the opportunities to be able to do that. We do not take advantage of those opportunities. And sadly, like the children of Israel, many of us will never possess the promises of God. Now, I want you to know that's sad. There's a lot of things you can miss out on in this life, a lot of places you may never go. Uh, I know some people that will be born, will live, and die in the state of Mississippi without ever venturing out of it, and they are perfectly content with that. I'm a little different. I like to travel. I like to go and see different things in different places, but you know, if you never leave the state of Mississippi, you'll be all right. If you never get to see Old Faithful, if you never go get to see the Rockies and never go get to see the leave, change, leave changes up in, uh, in Maine, you're going to be all right. But if you leave this life and miss out on possessing or fulfilling the will of God, you have indeed missed out. We read this verse, verse number 18. The Bible gives us a clear, very simple outline on how we can take advantage of the will and the word of God and how often we come to church but we walk out and we leave the message behind. And so I've preached many messages with this title. I love this title. Uh, but we're going to preach tonight on the subject of making the message mine. Making the message mine. And basically what this will boil down to tonight is simply anytime the Word of God is preached or taught or you read the Word of God or presented with opportunities, you have to choose to make it yours. 
Okay, God is not going to, as I think teachers, I think every teacher has uttered these words, I wish I could just pour it into your head. All right, we, we wish we could do that, and God wishes he could do that, but he's not going to do that. We must decide that we're going to make the will and the word of God and the opportunities ours. And so there's a beautiful picture here. Matter of fact, these three things I mention a lot in my own personal walk. If we can learn these three things, then we will see the will of, of God cr- come to fruition rather than just looking at it from a distance. So notice, if you would, verse 18. The Bible says it is good. So what is God saying it is good? It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. That thou shouldest take hold of this. So what God is saying is what I'm about to present to you, understand you're going to have to take hold of that. So number one tonight, if you're going to make the most of the will of God and make the message of the word of God yours, you're going to have to make the conscious decision to take hold of it. It's not something that you can just come and hear and think that it's going to take root on its own. Every once in a while, you'll see a stray uh, weed popping up out there in the grass, maybe a dandelion or something like that. But if you want to have nice, beautiful rows of flowers, and if you want to have nice hedges across your yard, you're going to have to put the effort in to plant those out in your yard, okay? You're not going to have a hedge pop up naturally in your yard. Wouldn't that be nice if it did? Wouldn't it be nice if all of a sudden those mums popped up around every fall? Whatever, you know, whatever pops up in the, in the spring, I forget what it is. You know, I usually plant them for my wife, and they'll die. But they're pretty for a couple of weeks before they die, all right? It's not going to happen automatically. If we want the will of God and the word of God to come to fruition and to produce fruit, it's not going to happen accidentally. We must take hold of that. Now, folks, I want you to think about any time you've gone shopping for something you really wanted, Okay. The other day I was in the grocery store shopping for my wife and I don't normally buy the groceries. She doesn't normally let me buy the groceries because I come back with things she didn't know we needed. I go after spaghetti and come back with all kind of good stuff. When they started putting those bright yellow clearance stickers on the stuff at Walmart, especially food, they, they smelled me coming. You know, they make them huge, so you'll see them a far way off. And the other day I was in the, on the pasta aisle. She needed some lasagna. We were having some folks over for lunch, and they had two boxes left of the lasagna noodles that my wife wanted. And there was this lady just standing there right in front of them, and I'm thinking, don't do it. I need those lasagna noodles. And she's just standing right there in front, and she's just looking, and she's checking the calories and the carbs and all of this stuff. And I'm just standing behind her trying to be a good, patient Christian and not, not you know, be aggravated. And finally, after a while of her standing there, I just said, excuse me, and I just reached over and grabbed both of them. If that was you, I apologize. But my wife needed those noodles, Dollar General, who knows if they're going to have them. And I didn't want to have to drive all the way out to 98. Here's what I did. I saw what was there, and I wanted what was there. And somebody else was just taking their dear sweet time reading about all of the... It's pasta, okay? It's got calories. I mean, it's just macaroni flattened out. That's all it is. You know, it's all the same, just a different shape. But I saw what I wanted and decided if I'm going to have that, I'm going to have to take hold of it, Okay? No, it's the same way. The the, the Word of God is a lot like a spiritual grocery store. We can walk up and down the aisles of the Word of God and find all of this good stuff that God says is good for us. The problem is we never choose to take hold of it. How often does an associate come to you at a store and they say, can I help you? What do we tell them to make them leave? I'm just looking. 
and just looking, then why are you in the store if you're just looking? But no, we tell that so they'll leave, correct? And so often I think we come to church and we're just looking. We don't plan on taking hold of anything. We read the word of God and we're just looking. Now understand this. We're, we read it and we see some really neat stuff in there. But the sad thing is we never take hold of it. If you're going to make the message yours, you've got to choose consciously. I'm going to take hold of this. I'm going to put my spiritual hands on this. This is going to be mine. This opportunity for Jamaica or for Panama or for all of the opportunities on the ministry marketplace table, we should have, I mean, I would have loved to have seen elbows flying to get back there to the tables. That would have been awesome. No, not really. I don't want anybody to get hurt, okay? But folks just can't wait to get back there because they're going to miss out an opportunity. But so often we're just looking. The Bible says it's good that thou shouldest take hold of this. James 1.22, we preached on it the other night, warns us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. The hearers are the people that are just looking. We come to church and we're just looking or we're just listening. We don't take hold of it. And the sad thing is we're the ones missing out. When you don't take hold of the opportunities of the will and the word of God, you're the one that's missing out. You're the one that's going home without the noodles. You're going to listen. You're going to miss out on what God could have done with your life, but you chose not to take hold. The other end of the verse, James 1.22. Have you ever talked about, I'm going to write a book one day? I do that all the time. I probably never will. Uh, this morning I talked about, I'm going to write a book, but I'm not going to do it. I think I'm going to write a book on the second half of verses. You know, a lot of times I'm guilty of it, just quoting the first part of the verse uh, for the sake of time. But when the Bible says in James 1.22, to be doers of the word, not hearers only, what does the rest of it say? Deceiving your own selves. When we come to church and we look and we listen, but we don't take hold of it, we're just deceiving ourselves. It's a sad thing, but it is capable, and we are all capable of lying to ourselves. I told Brother LaPone earlier, I said, boy, I had a sad moment this past week, or the week before that, I took my daughter out on a date, and we were taking selfies, all the places we went together, and I got home, and I'm, I'm wanting to post a picture of our date together on Facebook, and I kept looking at all the pictures, and I'm like, my face is fat, and I told my wife, I said, I think the shirt, the shirt that I was wearing is making my face look fat, and I'm not saying the Holy Spirit said this, but it was Jiminy Cricket or something said to me, it's not the shirt. You know what's making my face look fat? The fat on my face. <laughs> That's what's making it look fat. Now, I can deceive myself and throw that shirt out, but the only thing that's going to happen is somebody in the Salvation Army is going to get a really nice shirt. It's not going to make my face any skinnier. I have to realize, hey, I'm lying to myself if I think it's the shirt. And can I tell you, you are deceiving yourself by coming to the house of God and being a just-looking Christian and a just-listening Christian and not becoming a doing Christian. Sooner or later, you got to take hold of this stuff. Sooner or later, look, it doesn't matter how good or bad the preacher is. The Holy Spirit of God is going to serve up the meal that you need. It's amazing to me. Sometimes I'll come out of the pulpit and think, man, that fell flat. Go home and my wife just like, she stays away from me. I don't want to talk to you. You kind of ruin my spirit. And all of a sudden at the end of the, end of the day, somebody will come up and they'll talk to you and say what God gave them in the message. Obviously, it, was, it wasn't even anything I preached on. 
Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you what you need. What you need. The problem is we don't take hold of it. Well, folks, if I were to come up tonight and say, we're going to pass out T-bone steaks to everybody in the church. Here it is. We're going to, we're going to hand out T-bone steak plates to everybody. We're, we're not. Some of you start getting excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I came tonight. No, no, we're not. Okay, but if I did, I would just about be willing to bet, wager, wager, that... Christians don't bet, they wager. I would be willing to bet that there would be no takeout boxes left in here. And would nobody leave their T-bone steak behind. You say, well, if you gave us a T-bone steak, we wouldn't leave it behind all the time. Look, that's the Holy Spirit's job. I promise the Holy Spirit, listen, is going to put something on your plate. He's going to serve it up. The problem is we walk out of here without taking hold of it. And it's only to our detriment. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I, uh, boy, I've read all this all over this verse today. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Listen close. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. God served up grace. Watch what he did with it. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul says, God did not serve up that grace in vain. He says, I labored. That's our problem. We don't want to work for anything. We pick on the people who don't want to work in American society. But I want to tell you, laziness has permeated the church just as bad as it has our country. We don't want to take hold of anything, you know? We don't want to take it home with us. Why? Because oftentimes it's going to change us. So number one, verse, 17, or verse 18 says, it is good that thou shouldest take hold hold of this. Number one, we've got to take hold in order to make the message ours. But then keep reading. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 18, it is good that thou shouldest take hold of this also, yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Now notice verse 18 is tracking somewhere. Okay, there's a reason that we take hold of things. We'll see the end of it at the end of verse number 18. But the decision has to begin with you taking this home. I've got to take whatever the Holy Spirit puts on my plate. I've got to take it home and chew on it. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit serves up beef jerky. What I mean by that is sometimes you've got to gnaw on it a while. Your Lord ever gave you something and it wasn't easily to swallow? You ever tried to swallow beef jerky without chewing on it? <laughs> That's worse than that heartburn I told you about this morning. That's, that's bad. You got to take it home and chew on it a little bit. Man, it's going to take me a while to digest that, but you've got to choose to do it. I was thinking this afternoon, what a blessing it is to see so many families whose family tree was forever altered by one individual or by one couple who chose to take hold of the Word of God. Amen. You weren't born with a spiritual silver spoon in your mouth. You can't say, I have a heritage of godliness. You're the first one. You're the first generation. But now there's children and there's grandchildren and God's using them in the service of ministry all because somebody decided when they came to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or the service that God never shows up on a Wednesday night, I mean, good night, God served up something and they took hold of it. And it's changed their family tree forever. Just ask Abraham. God served up something in Genesis chapter 12, and Abraham took hold of it. Seems like it changed his whole family tree, didn't it? Absolutely. 
Genesis chapter 6, God spoke to Noah. Noah took hold of it, changed his family tree. The sad thing is we leave a lot of this behind and we miss out on what God's trying to do, which I'll show you in just a moment. One of my favorite accounts is when Elijah was taken into heaven and his mantle fell and he had told Elisha that when that mantle falls, if you, uh, that mantle falls, then you can have a double portion of my spirit and you go back and see Elisha did, uh, did accomplish twice as much as Elijah did as you look at major miracles. I thought this afternoon how horrible it would have been if Elijah's mantle fell from, from, from him as he was translated. Elisha walks over and looks at it and says, oh, that was neat, and walks off. If he'd never taken up the mantle. Now, we know that the tale in the story is this. He took up the mantle. He walked back over to Jordan, and he says, where be the God of Elijah? And he saw the Jordan open up for Elisha, just like he did Elijah. And I'm thinking, boy, he's glad he picked that up. Glad he didn't leave that laying around. And how often, this is what breaks my heart, how often on Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays do we face a Jordan that we cannot cross? We face a battle that we can't seem to fight, and the weapon that God gave us to fight the battle, we left on Sunday morning in church. You know, you'll get a lot of good counseling on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights for the things you're going to face Monday through Saturday, but you've got to take hold of it. None of that stuff. Look, you, look, you know, we're, we're in the South. We all have guns, and we all love our guns, and, you know, I'm with you right there 100%. But all the guns in your house won't do your family any good if you don't ever pick them up. My breaks in your house, unless you use what you've been given, then I hate to say it, your family's going to pay for it. We see that happening in our families, and whether or not your family is destroyed or not, that's not the aim. The aim is that your family finds what God wanted for them. If you don't take hold of it, then you're not going to do that. So number one, it is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Watch what it goes on to say, yay, he's fixing to up the ante a little bit. Also from this, withdraw not thine hand. Number two, not only do you have to take hold of it, but you have to hold on to it. Take hold and hold onto it. Wouldn't it be nice if the decision to serve God was a once-in-a-lifetime thing? You know, salvation, you get saved once, you're saved. You're saved and you're sealed. You can't lose it. Wouldn't it be nice if serving God was the same way where if I chose to serve God today, I'm automatically going to serve God the rest of my life? Good night. I have to make that decision every morning. Sometimes I have to stop on my lunch break and do it again. And then if I'm having a really bad day, I mean, before I even leave the office to go home, I have to get right with God again. Because look, it's easy to take hold of it. It's like starting a diet. I don't know how many I've started. The reason I have the fat face is because I'm not finishing them very well. See, it's, it's not just the taking hold of it, but once you take hold of it, you've got to hold on to it. Look, I assure you, God will uphold his end of the bargain. The problem is we let go of ours. Take hold of it. He says, yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. So often we are, I mean, it's like a hot frying pan. My wife cooked something the other day on a cast iron skillet. I got one of those wives who knows how to work them things other than just, you know, a weapon. She knows how to cook with them. And um, she, she washes it, and then she puts it on the stove to dry it. 
you know? And that means she turns the burner on, so the water evaporates off of it real quick. And the, the handle was turned out a little bit, and I walked through. I'm just going to grab that. It's just going to sit, and I'm going to move it to the back, you know? Because I'm walking through with two, I had a, I had a honeydew project, man. I'm walking through, and I didn't want to knock it off. And came through there, and whoop, grabbed hold of that thing to move it. That thing was hot. Like the old guy says, it doesn't take me long to look at a hot frying pan. I set that thing back down quick. It's sad that we take hold of the will and the word of God, and as soon as it gets a little bit hot, we turn loose of it. As soon as it gets a little bit hot, all the devil has to do is heat it up just a little bit, and we let go of it. And the sad thing is, when we let go of it, we miss out on what God was trying to do. I assure you, look, you take hold of the will and word of God, he's going to make it hot and you're going to want to turn loose of it. This is what the Bible tells us twice. Galatians 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Be not weary in well-doing. Why did he say that? Because you're going to get weary in well-doing. That's why he said that. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to get hot. People aren't going to like what you have to say. Brother Drew, there's going to be times. Nobody's going to want to go with you to help carry bricks. It's the truth. What are you going to do? Well, you, once you take hold of it, you decide, I'm going to hold on to it. Because you want to see what God's doing, which I'll show you here in just a moment. I want to give you a couple of my favorite scriptures before I give you the last thing tonight. Sometimes it does get lonely in ministry as you seek to serve God. And here's one of my verses. You can write this down, Hebrews 10, 23. It's a go-to. The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now, did you hear those words? Let us hold fast. That means hang on. Hang on. I mean, folks, we're going to have to have a little bit of a spiritual backbone, okay? We're going to have to take hold of the will and the word of God and then hold on to it long enough. It's like, what is it, riding a bull, seven seconds, eight seconds? I've never got on one. My mama didn't raise no dummy. You got to hold on to that thing. You think a bull is bad. Just wait until you try to hold on to the will and word of God. The longer you hold on, the bigger the target you become. After a while, the devil is going to try to pry your grip loose. But Hebrews 10, 23, the Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. A good friend of mine and, and, and Brother Drew's, Brother Jared Decker, uh, this past Christmas, right at Christmas, 35 years old and massive heart attack and went home to be with the Lord. Good friend of mine, he faithful, faithful, faithful to where God had called him. His theme for the year was Hebrews 10, 23. And his theme for the year of his church was without wavering. And all throughout the year, and what he had been preparing for this, this year, that he would never see, he was preparing his church for his absence, and he didn't know it. The theme was without wavering. God had put that on his heart. And he's just going to preach that theme all throughout the year as we, as we preach ours unto him. He was going to preach without wavering, how we've got to serve without wavering. He had all the banners printed. All the banners were ready. He was about a month out, or just a few days out from revealing the theme. He died of a massive heart attack and left five kids behind in a church grieving his passing. And I wanted you to know, boy, how my heart was encouraged when I heard what his theme was. He was preparing his people for his absence, and he didn't know it. That church is still going. Church called a pastor. His family's still going. Family's serving faithfully. Saw his kids sing on Facebook today. Without wavering, you can hold on. Amen. You can hold on. 
I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a spouse in ministry, but they're holding on. Why? Because it's worth holding on to. Can I tell you tonight how long you hang on is a testament to what you're hanging on to? Good night. Some of us hang on to T-shirts longer than we hang on to the will and the word of God. We can't even take that kind of stuff with us. I'm saying that because that's me. My wife, bless her heart, I think every once in a while she sneaks one and throws it away. I'm like, the other day I pulled out a T-shirt, Brother Jim, and it was when I preached Central's Youth uh, Winter Retreat a couple of years ago. I thought, man, that's just kind of cool. I preached Central's and I'm the pastor. Can't throw that one away. It doesn't fit anymore. It shrunk. It just shrunk. (laughs) No, it didn't shrink. That's for sure. How, how hard do we fight to hold on to the will and the word and the work of God? It says, take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. Hang on to it. Job gives us a good example of that. Job chapter 23. Job says, for I know, for I know. He know, oh no, he says, for he knoweth the way that I take. Here's Job, and he's trying to do the will of God, and he looks around and can't find God. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Job says, I'm just going to hang on. Don't know what's happening, but I'm just going to hang on. I love the question that Job's wife asked him. She says, dost thou still retain thy integrity? Job's holding on to that old frying pan, and it starts getting hot. His wife done turned loose. By the way, can I just say husband and wife? Man, it just helps it so much when, when both husband and wife got their hand on the pot together. Amen. Man, that's tough. That's tough when one lets go. I'm going to encourage you. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Job's wife says, dost thou still? Job says, absolutely. It's worth hanging on to. And we see in the latter end of Job was better than the beginning. Why? Because he, hang, he hung on. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 is another one of my favorites, and I'll give you the last point. The Bible says that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He will. That means God finishes what he starts. I told Brother AJ the other night, I hate to admit it, but sometimes I am notorious for not finishing things that I start. I did take the garbage out today in case you're keeping track. I did all the way to the can this time. Got it out of the box, out of the, out of the garbage can. I tied it and took it all the way there. Kind of feels good. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. How often do we leave off the will of God halfway? And God's like, why did you quit? I was going to finish it. He that has begun a good work and you will perform it. God says, you hang on because I'm going to finish this thing. God's not going to leave us high and dry. So often Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 comes into play where the Bible says we're to give the more earnest heed. What does that mean? Hang on, give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them, what? Slip. Slip. We didn't hang on. I watch some of these kids at, at camp. I watch some of these teenagers too at camp. And years past and we play tug of war. And one year we decided to up the ante with the tug of war and we covered the rope with peanut butter. Do y'all remember that? Covered it with peanut butter. The things that happen in a youth worker's mind, it's because you work with teenagers, is why you think weird. We watch those kids out there, and they're, they're grabbing, and they're just getting peanut butter all over their hands, and they're pulling, and they're pulling, and after a while, it reached a stalemate. They had pulled all the peanut butter off. And it's a stalemate, and they're just pulling, and they're pulling, and people are pulling people, and people are pulling other people. And after a while, you watched all the pull, and all the push, and all the pull, 
they begin to lose their grip. And they let it slip. Why? Because they weren't able to hold on to it. Number one, take hold. Number two, hold on. There's a reason that Psalms 46, the Bible tells us, be still and know. Be still. Hang on. Don't flinch. Be still. There's a reason God told Moses, stand still. Stand still and see. Now think about those two verses right there. Be still and know. Notice there's an outcome to being still. Be still and know that I am. Sometimes it's tough to be still, isn't it? Hold still so that you'll have the outcome of of knowing that I am. He told Moses. He says, stand still and see. Notice there's an outcome. What is the outcome? I'll give you this and we're done. Number one, take hold. Number two, hold on. Look at the last part of the verse, verse 18. The Bible says, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He's showing us the outcome here. Notice you're not taking hold and holding on for nothing. Aren't you glad? There's a lot of things I do in my life that really have no outcome, and they're not going to mean anything in eternity. But the Bible says when I take hold of the will and the word and the work of God, and I hold on to it, I make the message mine. I say, okay, Holy Spirit, you served that up on my plate today. I'm taking it home. I might have to chew on it a couple of days, but I'm going to take hold of it. What's the outcome? The Bible says, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Number three, you've got to hold out. Number one, take hold. Number two, hold on. Number three, you've got to hold out. What's the difference in holding on and holding out? Holding on can be temporary. Somebody says, look, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to hold on, but it's, I'm going to wait until, you know, five more minutes. That's temporary. Holding out means you've already resolved. I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to wait right here. Why? Because the Bible says, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Can I tell you what God's will is for you? This is good, okay? This is not mean. This is going to stir your heart just a little bit if you'll let it. God's will for you is that you come forth. I mean, you just smile. Some of you folks are like, huh? I'm speaking English, right? It's God's will that you come forth. It's not God's will that you let go. It's God's will that you reach where he was trying to take you and that he does through you what he desired to do. That's the will of God for your life. But if you don't take hold and hold on and hold out, you're not going to fulfill what God's called you to do. We see that in the life of the children of Israel. It was not God's will they die in the desert. That was not God's will. As one by one their bodies begin to drop out there in the desert, you were able to count the bodies of those that missed out on coming forth. Why? Because they just kept letting go as soon as it got difficult. I mean, they weren't five minutes, it seems like, coming through the Red Sea, and they murmured. They sang praises, and the very next chapter, they're murmuring. They couldn't hold on very long, and they didn't come forth either. Turn to this verse, and I'll, I'll be done. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. I don't know how many times I go to these three points in my life, and I assure you, you're going to need them if you don't already. First Corinthians 15. Uh, Look down to verse 58. Notice that we're reading the last verse in this chapter. It's fixing to bookend the thoughts that have preceded that. 
And those thoughts in verse 54 through verse 58 is the victory that we will have over death. It's victory. This is where it ends with victory. For the child of God, you're holding out for victory. Okay? Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So it seems like to me, he's saying, take hold and hold on, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, take hold, hold on, and hold out. Outlast the trouble. Outlast the trial. Outlast the hot frying pan. Just hang on long enough. Why? Because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I can't help but think about Paul. Second Timothy chapter 4 is Paul is about to lose his head. Boy, Paul has held on, hasn't he? He took hold on the road to Damascus. He has held on through the beatings and the hungerings. He has held on. And he's holding out. There he is in the prison, about to have his head chopped off. And what did he say at the end of his last words to Timothy? He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I, has, I have kept the faith. Now, what's the next word? Henceforth. Henceforth. What did it say? He shall come forth of them all. Paul says, I took hold of it on the road to Damascus. I have held on to it through everything, and now I'm holding out to the henceforth. Aren't you glad tonight that we have a henceforth? Even after you draw your last breath in this life, if you're a child of God, there is a henceforth. You ought to be setting our affections tonight on the henceforth. Not on the hereforth, but the henceforth. Why? Because that's where the payoff is at. The payoff's not down here. By the way, I'm glad God's not paying us off down here. Because it's temporary. It's gone. I, I'm so thankful for the things God's blessed me with in this life, but I know that I can't take it with me. So why don't we start investing in the henceforth that we'll have forever? So, man, I'd like to get me some of that henceforth. Take hold. You've got to take hold. Sooner or later, when the Holy Spirit comes by with the platter with your name on it, you've got to make the message yours, okay? This is what you served me up today. I'm going to take hold. And then when you get out there with it, be careful, because you're going to have a tendency to leave it behind. You better hold on. And you better have some resolve in your heart and in your mind. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out. When the king gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the opportunity to change their mind, they said, oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to hold out. And they got to see God. What if old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said, you know what? The king is being pretty generous. He's going to let us go if we just do what he said. They would have never got to walk with God in the midst of the fire. My question to you tonight is, will you make the message yours? Will you read the word of God and say, okay, I'm not going to look at this from 35,000 feet. I want to experience the power of God in my life. I want to see God do something, but God's not going to do something if you can't hold on very long. Take hold, hold on, and hold out. Make the message yours, and you'll see God do something that only God could do in your life. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, our eyes closed.